What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Seahawks. We've got Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, possibly a late round tight end target in Gerald Everett. We know how I've been going and feeling on those guys lately on the podcast episode. So we'll see which way I go on him. We've also got Chris Carson. And how do I feel about some of the other wide receivers they've added, mainly Dwayne Eskridge? We'll talk about that. Got a lot to talk about, but it always starts in the personnel department. Let's look at the changes they made. And I think to start up top, the most important thing to mention is the coaching change. They have a new offensive coordinator. He was the Rams passing game coordinator. His name is Shane Waldron. And now he will be in charge of their offense. They also drafted Dwayne Eskridge. He's a wide receiver that they took, I think, way too high. He was not somebody I was super high on. If you guys listen to my podcast about my wide receiver rankings for the rookies coming in, you know that already. But Dwayne Eskridge, not too high on that guy, but they also drafted him. He is a deep threat, so it will at least help the offense a little bit. And maybe he ends up being a lot better. It's not like I haven't been wrong before, a lot better than I think he will be. Tyler Lockett, they also extended for four years they lost defensive tackle Jaron Reed. They kept Carlos Dun- Dunlap. They actually extended Chris Carson for two years. And they signed Gerald Everett, brought him over from the Rams, right? And they just also got the passing game coordinator from the Rams. So maybe that's already a hint of where I'm going to be going for Gerald Everett. They lost guard Mike Iupati. And now let's look at some of their rankings for PFF. You guys know I like doing this because it gives you a, another view other than my own and other than just statistics, kind of a projection forward by a different organization. So PFF has the offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks at 19th. They have their D-line ranked 29th, yikes, and their secondary ranked 26th, yikes. And I'm not surprised on either. They have a horrible defense. They did last year. And they have a subpar O-line like they always have, which is part of Russell Wilson's continuous frustrations. This team has absolutely... The last four or five years absolutely sucked at drafting high. Every time the Seattle Seahawks make their first round pick selection and announce it, most of the people in the room are like, what? Who even is that? And usually it's somebody with a round three grade or later. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're bad at drafting as a whole, but their first and second round picks, other than DK Metcalf as a second round pick, they're mainly their first round picks, Rashad Penny, LJ Collier, so many other guys, the linebacker, I can't even think of his name right now. So many of the guys that they take in the first round, it's like, what are you doing? Rashad Penny, nobody would have thought he was going to go in the first round. LJ Collier was like a fourth round prospect that they took in the first round. I think the year after Rashad Penny, every time they make a pick, it's like, what's going on? I just wanted to say that, but don't get me going on the recent GM skills of this team because I could go on that forever. And I, I honestly do feel like Russell Wilson, man, he, he kind of, he's got a good situation. You know, he's got DK Metcalf, he's got Tyler Lockett, but he's never had a good offensive line. And since the Legion of Boom, he hasn't really had a good defense either. So it's been pretty rough and he is 
somebody that you could make the case for every single year being MVP because we're talking about most valuable player, right? And if the Seahawks didn't have Russell Wilson, if you just gave them an average quarterback, they would be one of the worst teams and worst rosters in the league. So keep that in mind. But anyways, that's not really fantasy relevant. That was just me wanting to get on a quick soapbox about the GM skills recently in Seattle. But let's look at some trends. Let's look at some history. Last year, they passed the ball 58% of the time. And that is way more, way more than any of the past two years. 2019, 52% of the time they passed. This year was 58. That's a 6% difference. And then in 2018, they passed the ball 46% of the time. That's another 6% difference, 12% different from this year. This is an extreme variance. That's more than the variance between rain and sunshine in Florida. And I could tell you that because I'm a Tampa native. And it's just, it's it's crazy. I don't see this. When I, when I do projections and I look from year to year and see, try to establish a trend and see if I can predict where their pass run rate is going to be, you don't see changes this big and this often. So it's pretty crazy. And then even within the year itself, there were a lot of changes. They passed way more in the first half of the year than they did in the second. They passed, I believe, 37 and a half times per game in the first half of the year down to 32 and a half. So they passed five times more per game in the first half of the year. And this was reduced once Jamal Adams was added through their trade and Carlos Dunlap was added to the defense. That was part of it. And also the running back room as a whole got healthier, whether it had been Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde, or the others. So With that said, we need more context. What hints exist? What can we look at to try and predict what their ratios are going to be between pass and run this season? So the first thing that I look at is the fact that they added Gerald Everett, a tight end, better than what they had before, and they added multiple wide receivers in the offseason through the draft class and undrafted free agents that some of them Guys like to throw darts at. I think Tamori and Terry's one of them. I'm somebody who's definitely staying away from him. I didn't like him either. So it's funny they grabbed, you know, I was just complaining about them and their decision making when it comes to drafting. And two of the receivers that they got in this draft class of sick receivers, I was not high on either. But Tamori and Terry, Dwayne Eskridge, and a bunch of others. So they added a whole bunch of passing weapons, is what I'm hinting at. And then Russell Wil- Russell Wilson was crying about not getting help and not actually crying. And I actually am a pro Russell Wilson guy most of the time. So I'm not like trying to throw shade, but you know, he has been kind of vocal in the media more than quarterbacks usually are. And more than he was ever earlier in his career about he should probably need or probably get some more help. And then there was the trade rumors as well. So it's like a lot of these things make me think, okay, Russell Wilson's probably going to have more control They're probably going to pass more because I'm sure that's what Russell Wilson wants to do as the quarterback. And then you look at Shane Waldron, who's coming from the Rams. He was a passing game coordinator. He was not their offensive coordinator. He was their passing game coordinator. So what is he going to be the most knowledgeable about? Probably the passing game. So that's another thing that should indicate the trend being more pass heavy this year. So that's what I'm projecting. I'm projecting a 55.5% pass rate down from 58% last year because that's just really high for Seattle in general. And with Chris Carson, hopefully healthy for 16 games and maybe Rashad Penny will be healthy for once ever. And the defense should be 
hopefully a little bit better, at least with Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap still there. Remember, that's when they were throwing the ball five times less per game after that, and that was at 42. I believe I have him, Russell Wilson, at about 40, or not 42, sorry, 32, and I believe him, I have him at about 35 this year. So I do think they're going to pass more than the second half of last year, but not more than the first half, basically. With that said, that brings us to their total plays. How many plays am I projecting? I'm projecting 1,027, a bit lower than a lot of the teams we've done already, but it's just around their average. So that's what I'm going with. That leads them to 569 passes, 458 runs. So now we can get into Russell Wilson himself. And I found something particularly interesting. Russell Wilson was actually way more efficient when he was throwing more early in the year. That's very rare. Very rare. Usually when quarterbacks are, especially when it's based off having a good run game and a good play action game, when they're passing the ball less, they're usually more efficient. Russell Wilson, when he was just letting it go and sling all over the field, that's when he was at his best, not in terms of overall statistics, but efficiency statistics, which is just absolutely jaw-dropping to me. Because like I said, I look at a lot of stuff and I was not expecting to find that. I came into these projections when I came in before I started doing any research. I was of the mindset that Russell Wilson was probably less efficient in the first half of the year, but he was just better for fantasy because of the volume. But it was actually both together. Like I said, he was passing five times more per game. He had a higher touchdown rate by 5%. That's not what his touchdown rate was. That was the difference between the first half of the year when he was throwing a lot and the second half. He was 5% better in the touchdown category. And his completion percentage was also 5% higher. And despite a higher completion percentage, his yards per completion was three yards higher. All of those are ridiculous differences. So if they let him cook, he could be great, but it's a big if. I think they will be, like I said, more tempered than last year. I have him throwing, so not 35, excuse me. I have him throwing 34 times per game. There was He was throwing 32 and a half times per game at the back end of the season last year, 37 before. Now, the last four-year average for him in the rushing category, because this is something that makes him very good for fantasy, was 450 rushing yards, and he had 513 rushing yards last year. But like I said, the running back room has gotten a little bit healthier. Hopefully, a better receiver room should lead to him feeling the need to run less often and him having to just scramble because everyone's covered and the O-line broke down less often. So, That's why I think that he's actually not going to run as much as he did last year and get more around that average that he's had over the last four years. I'm putting him at 415 rushing yards. And in regards to the offensive line, it's not worse. So some people might think, oh, he's still going to run a whole bunch because he's going to scramble because of pressure and the offensive line breaking down and the pocket collapsing. But it's not going to be worse than it was last year. Now, remember, 569 passes. That's pretty decent considering his efficiency that I'm going to be giving him. And he is hes going to be very interesting because of this. It's his consistency. Every single year, it seems like, for one half of the season, he's an absolute fantasy monster. And the other half of the season, he's not. And usually, he starts slow. Last year was the opposite. He started hot and then tailed off. So I'm telling you now, if you he should be in for a good year overall. Just don't get frustrated if you draft him, if he starts slow. I promise if he starts slow, it will pick up. 
Don't be the person to move off of him, and then and that's when he goes off. Because he tends to be on fire one half and not on fire the other half. So remember that. And if he starts off slow, he's a perfect trade target if you didn't draft him. And if he starts off super hot and somebody's willing to pay the price of a top three quarterback, then you might want to look to shop him at around week six, week eight. So just keep that in mind because it's pretty funny how it always works out to be like that. Now we've got Chris Carson. Chris Carson has the bulk of the rushes, but what is the actual rushing number? After taking out Russell Wilson's rushes, I've got 386 to go around to the rest of the team. He is probably going to get about 64% of the running back share. And it's weird because this is also another part of Seattle that was very high in variance. Chris Carson sometimes is at 50%, just barely over 50% of the running back carries. And then he was near 75% before that. So I'm just going to take the midline at 64% of the running back share. And then in regards to targets, he had 11% target share last year. At least that has been pretty stable over the last couple of years. So same, same there. That's where I'm going. And we'll see how that turns out for Chris Carson. But he's definitely being a little bit disregarded and slept on in redraft leagues. And honestly, he signed a two-year deal. So in Dynasty, he is not a one-year rental. He has two years with them. And I don't think he's going to get replaced because... First off, if you look at the dude, he's a monster still, and he's in a system that just has been giving him the ball, has been really good for him for fantasy purposes when he's healthy, so I don't see them just drafting a running back you know, next year. They have too many holes to fill in other places. It wouldn't make sense for Chris Carson not to be their starting running back next year, so I really do believe that he's going to finish that two-year contract, and he will be a two-year player for you in Dynasty, not just one. Now we've got DK Metcalf. His target share last year was 23%, and I honestly believe last year's stats were very close. Not exactly, especially because of the addition of Shane Waldrow. Remember, he's the now offensive coordinator from the Rams for the Seattle Seahawks. But I think last year was pretty close to DK Metcalf's ceiling. He had a big target share at 23%. For the type of receiver he is, it's not really going to get better than that. I don't think he's ever going to be more than 25% of a target share. And now there's more weapons in town. They added Gerald Everett, Dwayne Eskridge, other wide receivers. So you might want to nudge DK and Lockett. I wouldn't nudge them much, though, because they are both pretty much kind of like the Rams, who we just did the week before this, or a couple days before this, I should say. This offense is going to be funneled through their main two receivers, Instead of Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, in Seattle, it's DK and Lockett. And then maybe we'll see how I feel about Gerald Everett. But for the most part, the targets are going to be spread out pretty evenly among everyone outside of the top two receivers. So I still think they're going to be very good. I'm keeping the same target share that DK Metcalf had last year, keeping it here. And similar efficiency as well. But I'm actually going to improve his catch rate because he had way too many drops last year. I was somebody who was kind of a little combative on Twitter with people about DK Metcalf because when he was going on that tear in the first half of the season when Russell Wilson was lighting it up, throwing the ball 37 times a game, and DK Metcalf was like a top five wide receiver in fantasy, a lot of people started freaking out saying, oh, is DK Metcalf a top five wide receiver in the NFL in terms of talent, not in regards to fantasy? And I was like, no, there's no way. He's not a complete receiver. He does not have good hands. He's not a refined route runner. There are so many things that he's still lacking. Not that he can't get there, 
but that right now he lacks. And like I said, the drops were a problem, but he probably is going to be working on that, right, all season. He's going into just his third year. We've seen plenty of people have drop problems early on in their careers, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper even, and then be fine after that, Terrell Owens. So I'm not worried about it, and I'm going to improve his catch rate because I think he's going to haul in some of those drops. Now let's move to Tyler Lockett. First off, did you know Tyler Lockett had 100 receptions last year? Now, I know he wasn't very great to have on your team emotionally because he was great one week and bad the other, but he had 100 receptions. That's probably something that I feel like most people forgot. I forgot it, and then when I saw it, I was like, holy moly. He also had a 24% target share last year. He was the number one receiver in terms of targets in that offense. That also, I believe, last year was near his ceiling. Now, you'd probably take 85% of what he did last year if it was more consistent. I would. I love consistency, and that's why I have Hopefully I get to it this year, but that's why I do my Consistency Kings podcast because consistency is what you need in fantasy football because it don't matter how good your team is if you get into the playoffs at 12, 13, 14, and 0, whatever it may be. And I know it's a little different this year because some people are going to keep it the same in terms of a 13-game season and some are going to make it 14 games, whatever, because of the extra game. But it doesn't matter if you're undefeated All it takes is one player to bust or one player on your opponent's team to go off and your significantly better team could have just lost. And it happens to people a lot of the time. It's not very often that the best team in fantasy football actually wins the championship. The best team always makes the playoffs pretty much, but how often do they win? I would say probably less than half the time. I know I have one league where I was first place three years in a row like through the through the season, through the standings. I had the best record three years in a row, and I had the most points fielded by at least a 200-point gap over the second-place person. Three years in a row, all three of those years, my players put up crap games in the playoffs, and I never won in, in this one specific league. So I know what it's like. I'm sure it's happened to some of you. Everyone experiences at some point when your team is just absolutely dominant and just doesn't show up to the ball. But that's why consistency is important. Instead of continuing on these uh, railroads that I just went down that are not where we're supposed to be going, let's get back to Tyler Lockett. He is going to probably have a tiny bit of a loss here. I'm only knocking off half of a percentage, so I'm putting his target share at 23.5%. His yards per reception has been way down since DK Metcalf has been added to this offense, but it makes sense because DK has taken more of that deep roll away from Tyler Lockett. I'm keeping that going. And if anything, Dwayne Eskridge was, the one thing he is good at is running a nine route because he's fast. That's pretty much it. That's that's pretty much all he's good at, it seems like almost. But Dwayne Eskridge also will be somebody that can run the deep route. So it's unlikely that Lockett will have that be a big part of his game. So I'm going to keep his yards perception low like it has been the last two years. Now let's get to the last person that we have not talked about that I think will be fantasy relevant and that's in regular leagues, that's Gerald Everett. So far, out of DK Metcalf, Tyler Arquette, and Chris Carson, taking them out of the equation, there's a 43% target share remaining left of the offense. There's 43% of the targets to go around. I think Gerald Everett's going to take about 16% of that. He's got, first off, familiarity with the new offensive coordinator. He came over from the Rams as well. He also has the size. 
and the reports that indicate he should be used a lot in the receiving game and in the red zone. He should be more productive in this offense than he was in the Rams offense because this offense is better and has a better quarterback than Jared Goff. He's a decent tight end, late round target. There it is. So Higby was the first late round tight end target or somebody that has that name or moniker that I actually agree with. Well, here's another one, Jared Everett. I like this one too. When Seattle has had good and healthy tight ends, they try to use them. And I don't see any reason why they shouldn't do that same thing with Gerald Everett. So with that said, let's get into the actual projections. Russell Wilson, 569 attempts, 393 completions, 4,594 passing yards, 39 passing touchdowns. And additionally, he's got the rushing, right? 72 rushes for 410 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That puts him at 23.2 points per game, just above Ryan Tannehill, who you know I am very high on. Now we've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. We'll go through them together. Lockett, I have at 134 targets to DK Metcalf's 131. Tyler Lockett at, once again, this is a coincidence. I didn't just copy-paste. 100 receptions. DK Metcalf at 86. Tyler Lockett at 1,103 yards. DK Metcalf at 1,313 yards. He's way more efficient in terms of yards per reception. And I have Tyler Lockett at 9 touchdowns. DK Metcalf at 10 touchdowns. This makes DK Metcalf my wide receiver one in this offense for fantasy purposes at 16.3 points per game, right above Allen Robinson. And then I have Tyler Lockett at 15.5 points per game, right above Terry McLaurin. But we've talked about how important consistency is. And one thing that Terry McLaurin is, is consistent. So in no way, shape, or form would I ever take Tyler Lockett above Terry McLaurin, but he's slightly above him in total points that I have projected in the draft sheets. Then we've got Chris Carson. I have him at 60 targets, 48 receptions, 363 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns, 247 rushes for 1,161 rushing yards, and seven rushing touchdowns. I also got to say, that puts him tied, which is crazy. I never have this many people within such a close range. Him, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Gaskin, and Joe Mixon are all within three total points of each other. They're all tied at 15.3 points per game. I would probably take Chris Carson above Miles Gaskin, Joe Mixon is a close one, and J.K. Dobbins is a close one. I'm not really sure, but his ADP is a little bit lower than that, so right now he is a value in that way. And then Jared Everett, 9.7 points per game, 91 targets, 60 receptions, 685 yards, and 6 touchdowns. That puts him right between Logan Thomas and Tyler Higbee. So Everett and Higbee, especially if you're in the Scotty Fishbowl, which I finally got into, by the way. I don't know if I told you guys that. I've been applying for three years with no luck, and I finally got in this year. Super excited. I'm in the Alicia Keys division, and hopefully I come out of that division and get to represent for it, get to represent for my girl Alicia, and uh, can go all the way and maybe win. Who knows? There's like 2,000 people in it, but you know, we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys updated on that for sure throughout the season, but Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee in Scotty Fishbowl Leagues Tight ends are pretty important, so I'll definitely be looking at those guys if I miss out on the top-tier ones. With that said, guys, that's the podcast. That's the Seattle Seahawks. A little faster than normal. Actually, I think the Rams was around this time as well. But 
that's fine with me because we're going to be pumping out podcasts like crazy now pretty much at least three per week unless something crazy happens and I'm you know not able to be able to do so but that's the goal I'm going to give you three teams a week now so that we have about two weeks to work with for overall rankings sleepers busts all that stuff right before the season gets started thank you guys for tuning in drop a rating drop a review if you haven't already I know it doesn't work on Spotify a bunch of you guys tell me that try it on Apple Podcasts if you have a Apple product because it means a lot to me it helps me out immensely thank you guys as always keep diving deep into the content have a good one peace